Welcome to another episode of Let's Go 360. It's the final episode of the year. So today, I thought I'd do something a little different. No guests today. Well, here we are. It's Christmas time again. It never ceases to amaze me how fast it gets here. And it seems to come faster the older I get. You know, I remember a time as a 11, 12-year-old beginning to think about Christmas sometime right after school started in, in September. And for the past 60 years, give or take, I've had the same emotions around Christmas time. I say about 60 because, well, the first 13 years was all about experiencing and storing memories as a boy growing up in Ohio. In our family, it was clearly the most important time of the year. It was the responsibility of my mom to host our extended family Christmas event every Christmas Eve. No one in our family ever missed Christmas Eve at our house. Ever. That tradition started after the war in 1945, and it has continued to this day 78 years later. Now, my mom has passed on, but she gave that responsibility to me in her mid-80s. And I often tell the story about having the conversation with my two son-in-laws, or would-be son-in-laws, as they were asking for my blessing to marry my daughters. And as they wrapped up their asking for my blessing, I would end by saying, Oh, there's just one more thing. What's that, they would say. It's the same thing that my mom said to her son's prospective brides, including my wife. I said, you're going to need to spend every Christmas Eve at our house, which was usually followed by a chuckle and and then maybe uh, an alternative offer. How about, let's do this. How about if one year we come to your house and then the next year we'll go to my parents' house? Of which I was quick to respond with, um, no, that, that's not going to work. Their response was usually, well, that's, that's not really fair, is it, to my family? And I would say, no problem. Uh, you may have to find another wife. I didn't really follow that up with a just kidding comment. I'm happy to report that they have honored that request for 30 plus years now. We solved the dilemma by inviting their family to Christmas Eve. And I'm happy to report that in my 73 years, actually 74 since I was in my mother's womb for the first Christmas, I have never missed a Christmas Eve with my family, not one. Yes, Christmas in Ohio has left memories that I'll never forget, along with a touch of sadness because I know my kids and grandkids will never experience what I did, no matter how hard I try to recreate it. There was just something about the 50s, a time when life was simpler. And as an 11-year-old boy, you could visit your buddy's house to find out what they were doing if you were bored. You stood out on the street and called their name as loud as you could. Oh, Jerry. Oh, Jerry. Oh, Jerry. And you stood there like an idiot until Jerry finally came out, and if Jerry wasn't home... You would just move on to another friend's home. Oh, Dougie. Oh, Dougie. You see, everyone's name had to have two syllables. Doug would just simply not work, but Dougie works fine. There was always something exciting to do around the neighborhood. We could stay out until, well, till the streetlights came on. As soon as they came on, 
it was time to go home. And if we were thirsty, we went to anyone's home, find the closest garden hose, and there we'd have ourselves a drink. And if you were fortunate enough to grow up in the 50s, you'll recall some of the unforgettable incidents that defined that time. As kids of that generation, we loved to play outside, loved to ride our bikes, loved to play sports, loved to climb trees, loved to have clubhouses. When you rode your bike down the block, you made sure you attached a baseball card with a wooden clothespin to the spokes so that it would make that purring sound. I hate to think of how many Mickey Mantle cards ended up in the gutter somewhere. You had access to your imagination, and you were creative. In everything you did, including your playthings, Play-Doh, Mr. Potato Head, Hula Hoops, Lincoln Logs, were all some of your favorite basic toys. Mine happened to be a chemistry set. Also, some games that were popular at that time were Sorry, Scrabble, Yahtzee. Everyone had a deck of Old Maid. Milk would actually be brought to your front door in these glass bottles. And if you're really lucky, there might even be a quart of chocolate milk. Mom washed out my brother's dirty diapers by hand. I can still remember the smell of bleach. And as a special treat, you might have more chocolate milk. The lunchtime standard at school seemed to be Miracle Whip between two pieces of Wonder White Bread. Everyone seemed to have the same lunch, Miracle Whip and Wonder Bread. Now, if your parents made a little extra money that week, bologna. One slice of bologna between two pieces of Wonder Bread, and then you smash it flat, almost wafer thin. It was amazing. We had cars with no seat belts. My dad got me my first rifle at age 10 and said, don't shoot yourself. We rode around in the back of pickup trucks. And then there was television. We got to watch mom and dad's brand new black and white TV. We were only allowed to watch four days a week for some reason, and I don't think I've ever figured that out. And only specific shows. On Wednesday nights, there were three shows. It started off with Wagon Train, my grandpa's favorite, and followed by Gunsmoke, and then The Rifleman. On Friday nights, it started at 8 o'clock with The Flintstones, and then Outer Limits. And if you could stay up, I mean all the way till 9 o'clock, you got to watch Outer Limits. My buddies and I would get together at Randy's house because he had an attic, and that became our official clubhouse. There we would all go and be by ourselves. Sometimes we were pirates, sometimes cowboys. But we watched the morning cartoons, which usually consisted of Mighty Mouse, Rocky and Bullwinkle. The highlight was at noon, however. Tarzan, Johnny Weissmiller, Jane. We broke out our smashed bologna sandwiches and our Charlie's potato chips along with a couple of bottles of cream soda that the five of us had to share, it was heaven. Sunday was pretty much the same when it came to TV, although it was in the evening. It always started with Walt Disney, and then followed by the Lawrence Welk show. Candy was a big thing back then. I can remember my dad getting 
me a candy Lucky Strike cigarettes. And he would roll them up in my white t-shirt sleeve, just like James Dean, because after all, that's what he did. He rolled his Lucky Strikes, although they're the real ones, in his white t-shirt sleeve. Then it was Christmas time. A real Christmas tree with all the silver tinsel that you hung on it that the dog would usually eat and would usually make for some interesting cleanup in the backyard. What seemed like a lifetime waiting for Christmas to come now goes by so very fast. I'm thankful for all those memories. And I could share a whole lot more with you, but that's for another podcast. While Christians observe Christmas with nativity scenes, church services, candy canes, Santa Claus, and nearly endless variety of Christmas feasts and celebrations and customs, Christmas is demonstrated in a lot of different ways in a lot of diverse cultures around the world. And while most people celebrate Christmas on December 25th, a a sizable number of Orthodox Christians, representing about 12% of the world's Christian population, observe the holiday on January 7th. And traditional religious themes are practiced by some people and communities, while folklore and regional traditions are embraced by others. Christmas is still celebrated, albeit in a secular way by a vast majority of non-Christian Americans, which is really around 86%. One thing that seems to be in common in all cultures around the world is that they revolve around Christmas. Let's go 360. I mean, really. Let me take you around the world to a few places that celebrate Christmas a little different than we do. In Greece, a country that's rich in marine history, has been a popular spot for holiday tree and boat decorations. Traditionally, Greek families would build a large, ornate boat to welcome home men returning from sea voyages. The first Christmas tree in Greece was supposedly put in place by King Otto in 1833, and he put it next to one of these boats. And now, modern-day towns like Athens, they light up boats all having trees next to them. In Austria, the tale of Krampus, the wicked adversary of Santa Claus, is one of the Christmas legends that is relatively less upbeat. You see, Krampus is said to torture mischievous Australian or Austrian youngsters, threatening to whip them with birch branches or to take them away in in a basket according to pagan mythology. It's stated that he travels with St. Nicholas, carrying out his duties, visiting different homes with children, and administering punishments while his brother rewards those who behave well. In the Krampus parades that take place every year, people from all over Austria dress up in their most terrifying Krampus costumes in order to terrify their spectators. In Iceland, religious and regional folklore come together around Christmas time. Icelandic youngsters don't have a single Santa Claus, but rather 13 troll-like beings called Yule Lads, arriving during the holiday season to provide gifts and observe other family traditions on Each one of the 13 nights before Christmas, a new Yule Lad, representing Father Christmas, leaves candy or spoiled potatoes for the children according on how well they've behaved. Now in the Philippines, as a result of its annual ornaments competition, which 
showcases dazzling multicolored ornamental lanterns, San Fernando has earned the nickname of Christmas Capital of the Philippines. Thousands of spectators watch as villages all around the area painstakingly build and showcase approximately these 20-foot lanterns. And though it had its origins in the early 20th century, the festival truly took off in around 1931 when the city gained access to electricity. Germany, St. Nicholas Day, the traditional Roman Catholic bishop, is still Santa Claus, and his presence is in several regions around Germany. The bishop's horse needs new shoes and carrots so that the children get ready for him outside their doors. The bishop visits each home on St. Nicholas Day, December 6th, with a book detailing all the exploits of the youngsters. And he stuffed their boots with goodies like candy or twigs, depending on how mischievous they were. Now in Colombia, on the eve of the Immaculate Conception, Colombia begins its Christmas season with a dazzling display of lights. The Day of Little Candles is celebrated with the lighting of various types of candles, both indoors and out in all sizes. If we move over to Catalonia, the statute of autonomy has been recognized by Catalonia, which is a nation-state within Spain. Cagatillo is one of the most peculiar Christmas traditions in the world. Children feed on food scraps to a log called cockatiel. The log is typically adorned with a welcoming face and a big red hat. And the children pound this big log with marshmallows and a stick, feeding it to him and singing the traditional song, cockatiel. And guess what happens? It poops out gifts and chocolates as a sign of thanks. Now in New York City, here in our own country. There is a tradition. The live broadcast of WPIX Yule Log Burning is a long-standing Christmas custom in New York City. On Christmas Eve 1966, the show made its debut airing live from the Gracie Mansion. A rug valued at around $4,000 caught fire during the original broadcast due to a, an ember from the fire. It was reshot in 1970 and has remained the same version that partygoers have watched annually ever since. If we move to New Zealand, a Christmas service held beneath the branches of a red-flowered kiwi Christmas tree. This was first mentioned in 1833 as a missionary gave his report from New Zealand. In New Zealand, this kiwi Christmas tree contributes to a beloved symbol of Christmas culture even in modern times today. According to the Moray, who hold the belief that the dead ascend to the tree and then return to their ancestral country of Awakiki. And there is a sacred tree that stands on the cliff of Cape Medina. In Portugal, the Catholic Church observes a pre-Christmas fast. People break their fast with a casota feast after midnight. The casota is a traditional meal consisting of pork and pudding, traditional desserts, and that marks the beginning of the holiday season. Everyone takes a seat at the table in honor of those who have gone before them. In Czech Republic, shoes are featured predominantly in the Christmas tradition in several cultures, including Czech Republic. On Christmas, girls and young women stand outside their homes and throw a shoe over their shoulder. 
If the shoe lands with the toe pointing towards the door, they'll be married soon. If not, they'll be single for another year, at least. Other Czech Christmas festivities include serving carp for dinner and keeping a few scales of the carp tucked away in one's wallet for financial good luck. In Guatemala, the burning of the devil. On December 7th, which is also the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, almost a half a million fires break out in Guatemala City annually. It's customary for families to carve out a representation of Satan and then light it on fire that night. The government has lately requested that people reduce the frequency of the torchings due to environmental concerns. This is mostly due to the fact that the participants often burn household waste in the bonfires, which, well releases a kind of a harmless gas in the air. We make our way to Cuba. Las Paradas de Remados is a beloved event in the region. It takes place in the oldest city of Cuba, Remados. And for 10 days, beginning on December 16th and ending on December 26th, the streets will be filled with rumba dancers and congo dancers and all kind of other celebrities that accompany a a very vibrant night filled with floats and fireworks. Now, in Slovakia, carp. Carp is the holiday meal, and it's fairly ordinary. In fact, it's ordinary that carp is served in a lot of places in Central Europe. But when it comes to Slovakian Christmas traditions, the live carp are traditionally left to swim in the family's bathtub for a few days before being prepared for the feast, along with Naming and caring for the doomed fish like a pet, residents refrain from bathing during this time. Instead, the slaughtering the fish themselves, more and more people are opting to buy it fully killed for the Christmas dinner. In Ethiopia, they celebrate Christmas on January 7th because the majority of its Christian population is Orthodox, and those who participate in the celebrations wear white robes decorated with vibrant stripes as they make their way to church. This attire is part of the Ghana tradition. On the morning of Christmas Eve, many people fast in preparation for the morning mass. In Italy, it's not Santa and it's not Christmas, but when Italian children believe a supernatural present-bearing descends down the chimney into the night and delivers gifts to good children and coal to bad ones. Sound familiar? The children, on the other hand, eagerly await the appearance of La Pafana, the cherished Christmas witch. And on January 6th, every year, festivities and parades are held in honor of La Pafana, who is the legendary figure in Italy since the 13th century. In Iceland, the Christmas folklore has long included legendary figures who preach proper conduct. However, they are seldom as strict as the fashion-forward Jawakaturin. Jawakaturin is a massive feline cat known as the Yule Cat, and it prowls the nation on Christmas night, devouring children who has not bestowed new clothing as a present. Legend has it that the Yule Lads are the rightful owners of the Yule Cat. Let's talk about Ukraine. Spider and web decorations are typically reserved for Halloween here in the U.S. However, they present a good fortune at Christmas in the Ukraine. 
Families decorate Christmas trees with spider webs as a symbolic nod to a folklore concerning a family that has unable to purchase Christmas ornaments and decorate for the holiday. According to legend, when they awoke on Christmas and discovered that spiders had woven an exquisite silver and gold web around their Christmas tree. Moving on to Japan. A particular Christmas tradition in the world involves Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC. Nearly 4 million Japanese frequent the popular fast food restaurant on Christmas. This practice started in the 1970s when KFC introduced a promotional initiative featuring chicken barrels decorated with the Christmas theme on December 25, rapidly gaining traction The concept remains dominant today. As we wrap up another year of Let's Go 360, I am filled with an overwhelming sense of gratitude for each and every one of you. The birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is is a time of great celebration and a time to reflect on the tremendous gift of salvation that we have received. Christmas reminds us of the incredible love that God has for us. He sent his only son into the world, not as a conquering king, but as a humble baby, born in a lowly manger. And this act of humble love demonstrates the depth of God's compassion and his desire to be in a relationship with each one of us. Now, in the midst of the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, it is easy to lose sight of the true meaning of Christmas. We get caught up in the materialistic aspects, the decorations, the gifts, the parties, But let us remember that the greatest gift that we have ever received is Jesus Christ himself. Christmas is a time of hope and renewal. It is a time to reflect on the miracle of Christ's birth and the hope that it brings to our lives in a world that often feels dark and troubled. Jesus is the light that shines brightly, guiding us through even the darkest times. So as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, let us also remember the message of love and compassion that he has taught us. Let us reach out to those who are hurting, to those that are in need, to those who are marginalized. Let us be the hands and feet of Jesus, spreading his love and grace to all. I encourage each and every one of you to take a moment during this Christmas season to pause and reflect on the incredible gift of Jesus Christ. Let his love fill your hearts and overflow into the lives of those around you. May this Christmas be a time of joy, peace, and a deep spiritual renewal for you and your loved ones. So on the behalf of the missions team here and the staff and leadership of CCV, I want to express my heartfelt gratitude for your continued support and dedication to our church. Your presence and participation brings so much strength and encouragement to the valley and to the world. May God bless you abundantly this Christmas and throughout the coming year.